three, two, one. Good evening, church, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name's Cole. I'm the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. This is Dan Spaeth. He's one of our elders. And we want to welcome you and thank you for joining us for our Wednesday evening conversation mm-hmm. through the Law and the Prophets. Uh, the conversation through the Law and the Prophets, where we get to discuss some of the most exciting events and people in the entire scriptures. Um, if you're watching this on Facebook, uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you. If you could uh, like it and share it, that really helps us out. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and you get the bell on so you get notified every time we upload a video. Uh, if you're watching this on the Heart and Hands podcast through Spotify or Apple Podcasts, hey, we want to thank you so much for joining us too. Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome and a privilege to be able to do this with y'all. And uh, I look forward to every class. It's so. fun. It's 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 fun. It's a hoot. It is it is a lot of fun. If it looks like we're having fun, it's because we are. We are. Yep. We, <laughs> we are, are absolutely yep. having fun. Yep. So all right. Well, I think that's uh, everything. Um, so let's pray and we'll get started. Let's pray and get started. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity and the time that we have now to study together. We pray, Father, that uh, as we navigate through this text, that you'll help us to find the things that we need to hear, and that you'll give us the courage, Father, to make application in our lives. Father, some great, some great texts and great stories and great people, uh, people of, of history that we're going we're gonna to study about. And I just uh, thank you so much for, for having put it down in a way that we can understand and where we can, where we can use it to grow from. Thank you, Father, for that. Be with our audience. I pray, Father, that uh, be with those who are, who are be listening to us and, uh, and, uh, and as they study as well. I pray, Father, they'll learn and, and they'll grow as well. Thank you, Father. Help us as we as we go through this study tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22 tonight. I'm really excited. Um, we're going to, there was still some, a little bit left in Genesis chapter 21, but as we've said before. But we decided a while ago, we got we to gotta find some place where we're, where we're going to skip some of this stuff. Well, we we'll, be, we'll be in Genesis until I'm, until I'm 90, but <laughs> if we don't hurry up. Well, and, and as we've said, church, you know, we're not going to go through Every single verse. We have um, been almost. We have been almost. Yeah. But there are places where we kind of moved ahead. I think we're going to run into those a little bit more as we continue. Yeah. yeah um, and so we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 2, which I think is the pinnacle of the mm-hmm. Abraham narrative um, mm-hmm. of this arc and this character with Abraham. Yep. And uh, it's it's an Remember, awesome chapter. We're still looking for a Messiah. That's right. We are still looking for a Messiah. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been saying that since Genesis chapter 3, since the fall of man. God has promised that one day someone's going to come along and, and crush this head of the snake. So we're looking for that person. Yep. And one of the big questions we should be asking right now in this narrative is Isaac that person. Yep. We thought Abraham might be, but he he didn't. He was called, yep. but he didn't really live up to it. He didn't really. He failed in his own testing. And so, but um, yet God says he was a righteous man. And he, but yet God says he was a righteous man, mm-hmm. um, and which so, gives us great hope, because well, I can I can fall down. And fail. I mean, you know, we've uh, we've just lost a, a a true warrior in the church, Bobby, and uh, and he is uh, he was a warrior, man. I mean, he but he would have told you himself he was not a perfect man by any stretch. He made his mistakes, but he was a, he was a faithful, godly man, and uh, you know, reminds me of uh, of guys like Abraham and Moses, and these guys tried really hard to do the right thing, and sometimes. Life just threw you some curves, and you just couldn't get it done. And thank God we have a God that uh, that loves us and showers us with grace and with mercy. And that's a, that's that's all we can count on. Because if we count on ourselves, we're in trouble. We're cooked. We're cooked. Yeah. Well, yeah. you and Paul makes it very clear. Habakkuk said it first: "The righteous will live by faith." Mm-hmm. Right. And God made it very clear with Abraham. Yep. Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteous. Yep. So. Um, Even I'll, though he made some some uh, pretty pretty big mistakes. That's right. Pretty big mistakes. Yeah, sure did. Well, we're, we're cer- we certainly find grace despite our mistakes. You mm-hmm. know, Christ, uh, if we're followers of Christ, if we're chasing after him, if we're running that race, um, as Paul would say, you know, the reality is we, we do. We, are, we have well, that grace. And, and, and the Old Testament, we've told you guys before, the Old Testament has really one goal, and that's to point you to this Messiah. Correct. You know, this what we're studying is the beginning of the of the seed line of that Messiah coming, yes. and uh, you know, and and so we have to go through all of this to get to that Messiah, but it's not going to be Isaac. It wasn't Abraham. You know, he's not coming for a long time. Spoiler alert! My gosh, <laughs> well, I'm already telling him it's not Isaac. My well, gosh, well, it could already, be. I don't know. No, it Some of them it's don't not going to be Isaac. No, not going to be Isaac. <laughs> anyway. Well, it is. It is. You know, several thousand year old story. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's going to be a few hundred years before the real Messiah comes on the scene. A lot of hundred years before yeah. it comes on the scene. A couple thousand. A couple thousand. More than, yeah. more than a couple thousand. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, before we jump into Genesis chapter 22, I do have a question for you tonight, Dan. Okay. Um, how, how did you feel when growing up, going through school and stuff? How did you feel about exam day? <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, was that something that you just relished, looked forward to, didn't care? No, no, no. I mean, I didn't. You know, I mean, I, I did, I did fairly well in school until I got to be a senior, I guess. You know, I'm, I'm just looking for it to be over. Um, you know, I, I, I prided myself. I won't say I made, I made great grades, but you know, I was, I was uh, smart enough. I didn't have a problem studying. I didn't have a problem preparing that kind of stuff. I, I, I enjoyed doing research papers and that kind of stuff. Um, but as I got older and I got into more of my senior year, I started hanging out with people I shouldn't have hung out with and that kind of stuff. So it wasn't near as important to me anymore right. to make decent grades and make good grades. Um, I could, I, I, there was times I, I could do classes and didn't have to study, and I could, I could still you know make a passing grade. Didn't really care about making an A or nothing like that. As long as I could pass, that's all I wanted to do. So, which I wish I had it back. I wish I, I wish I could go back and do it over. You know, when I went to business college, I mean, I went to I went to business college for for one reason. That was to stay out of the draft. Uh, I didn't want to go to Vietnam, and uh, I know that. The, and no disrespect to anybody that may be watching that went. I, I was just I was afraid. I didn't want to, I didn't want to go. And uh, you know, a lot of guys that I knew went. Uh, they a lot of guys I knew were drafted. Uh, it was better if you volunteered than if you draft, were drafted. So I went to business college to keep my to keep my deferment, and uh, uh, because they had the draft lottery and the draft lottery was mine was pretty high. It was like eighty. You know, if you had a, a two hundred or better, you probably weren't going to get drafted. But if you had an eighty, you're definitely going to get you. They're, they're, they and they had already sent me to to do my physical and everything. So they hadn't drafted me yet, but. And so I went to business college, and, and that was a fiasco. That was an absolute joke. And it wasn't because the school was any good. It was because I wasn't any good, and I didn't want to be there. I had no motivation to be there, no motivation to do it. And so exams for me, I could care less by then. By then, I didn't care anymore. Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to a conventional college. And uh, I, the, probably the, the you know, when I took the sunset classes here mm-hmm. with Rudy, me and Lee and, and, you know, a few others, I really enjoyed exam day because then I got to find out where I was. What, what did I really know? How much did I know? You know, I, I enjoyed doing that. I enjoyed making good grades on them. And I made good grades on them because I studied. I did pour over that stuff and study it, and I learned. And it really helped me. So, uh, but it was a passion for me then then I was looking at it and saying, I can't wait because I want to see how much I've learned. I want to, I want to test me, see what I've learned. And, uh, so you looked at flash forwarding to the sunset stuff then. Mm-hmm. Um, before it was just kind of like, hey man, I'm not, I don't have any skin in the game. I don't care. Yeah. Now, you know, you, you view this test, your pat, this is something you're passionate about. I was, you, yeah. I, I think that's a good word. I was, I was passionate. You know, I didn't know what it was going to be involved. And Rudy told us right up front, he said, you have lost some of your brain cells. I don't remember exactly how he said it. He said, but you feel like you can't do any of this stuff. He said, I'm going to tell you, you can do it. And he said, we're going to train your brain to start thinking again. Because some of us, you know, I was, I was 30 something years old, hadn't been in school in a long time. There was some that were older than that. Uh, and Lee was younger than I was, but, uh, but you know, I mean, I had, I hadn't, I hadn't trained, I had to retrain my brain to think and to ponder and to memorize. Right. And, and it took a while, but that was fun. It was fun training my, my brain to, to memorize tech, whole text out of Ephesians, you hmm. know, Ephesians uh, 2 verses, you know, whatever through whatever, you know, 10, 15 verses we had to put on a test. You know, that, that was fun to me. Yeah. You know, I, I, I developed a, 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 a system, how I was going to memorize, what I was I going to do so I could memorize this stuff. Hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and it worked out well, and I enjoyed doing it. But, but I was learning some stuff that I knew was... Uh, was something I wanted to learn. You know, I did. Um, well, it's interesting. You you noted you noted that you saw it as an opportunity to kind of see what you knew. It was a challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, to kind of see what was mm-hmm. there. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and and it was. Uh, 
I didn't know what it was going to be like. I had no idea. Uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, we did cassettes and we listened to a, to a class and, and then we had workbook that we worked in and we had papers we had to write and, uh, that kind of stuff. And so it was, it was a school setting here, not at sunset. Right. Right. And it was uh, not anything like what y'all, you guys did or what they were doing back then. Uh, but for us, it was very, very involved. It was very, very involved. And we took, uh, I don't know, I'd have to ask Lee about that. I think we took about five classes that we actually took. Uh, you know, it was took us a year, two years, something like that. We did, because we were all family people and right. had jobs and stuff. Of course. So we were just doing it once a week. Yeah. And uh, But it was... Uh, you know, I mean, I did very well on the test, but I, but I was passionate. I wanted to learn. I wanted to study. I wanted to grow. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to learn more about this book, and that was, and that's what helped me. Have you ever experienced any test anxiety? Test anxiety. So it's something they, uh, they've noted on now, where you have uh, people come in to take a test, and they just have such extreme anxiety no, with being tested no, that they, it's like they can't no, function. No, never happened to me. Interesting. Uh, it never happened to me. It, when I was studying for Sunset, I knew that stuff. I poured over it. I poured over it every night. I, I knew it. I knew what that material was, uh, and I knew what we what was going pretty close to what was going to be on the test. So I didn't have any problem with that. You know, if I had a paper to write for the test, I knew what I was going to write. I knew what I was going to say. So that now in school, maybe when I was when I was in junior high or high school, maybe I don't remember that happening. But uh, you know, I I you know. I never, I, you know, I was smart enough, I guess, that I could wing it some. I, I guess, you know, I mean, uh, you know, geometry was hard for me, and and I had I had some real tough times with that. Trigonometry was a nightmare. I just I just couldn't get it. I just could not get it. Mm. Uh, maybe it was the teacher. I don't know, uh, but uh, you know, it's one of the, one of two classes I've told my classes I've. I almost failed speech and I almost failed uh, trigonometry. <laughs> I came within a whisker of failing. I think I had a D minus minus in trigonometry, you know, and and I was not taking it again. No way. And uh, and speech, I just I think I made a, a D plus or something. I, I don't know. And and uh, I would just it was uh, I just it wasn't something I wanted to do. That's now look, man, I don't have a problem getting them for three, four, five hundred people and, and talking. I have a problem. You know, it just goes to show what God can do. When he's got a plan for you, and uh, you know, I, I guess at that point, speech wasn't a part of the plan. I guess, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but I never did have a anxiety, nothing like that. I know people that did, just froze up, couldn't do it, uh, didn't do well. Well, and and you know, in my own in my own case, I I've uh, done fairly well with tests and things of that nature. You know, I I took a I had to ta- I've taken three national exams uh, for my EMT, my EMT intermediate, my paramedic, and. Um, all three of those te- those tests are uh, adaptive exams. Mm-hmm. So what that means is they <clears throat> they give you a question, and it's out of let's say cardiology, right? And if you get the answer wrong, they ask you about ten more questions on cardiology. Like so, it's like hitting a dartboard, right? That one question is you know let's say bullseye. You get it wrong, so then they ask you everything around that question, and it, they're really designed to to really stress you out and to see the limits of your knowledge. Mm-hmm. So um, they're, pretty, they're, they're pretty difficult exams. And, and actually, I did fine. The EMT, the EMT intermediate, it's pass-fail. You know, you don't, you don't get a grade. But um, both of those, I, I, I did fine. I don't know if it was just because the level of the work or what. It was, it was fine. On my paramedic, is the only exam I've ever taken that I definitely had a lot of test anxiety. And I don't know if it was because this was the culmination of years of study at this point that I'm taking this paramedic. I don't know if it was because, you know, I, I felt like my family's future was riding on me passing this exam. I'm not really sure. But I walked out of that test feeling miserable. And I, I, I went home and I told my wife I failed. You know, and that was the first exam I've ever taken in my entire life that I walked out of it going, oh, I failed. I fa- I'm done. I'm cooked. I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm failed. And uh, it was pretty horrible. It was pretty horrible. And I know now I ended up passing. I didn't fail. But, um, you know, I know I know talk to lots of people who have test anxiety and they do not look at tests 
like you did going to sunset and like I did going to sunset and taking that material where it was exciting and it was a challenge to see what we knew, you know, mm-hmm. to really test ourselves and see where we were at. Um, it was fun. But when you have test anxiety, tests are a nightmare. They're not, not opportunities. Fun. They're not fun. They are, you know, these horrible things standing above you, you know, getting ready to, to kick you in the teeth. And so it, it, it's interesting the way we view tests and the way people view tests. And there, there's actually a lot of psychology behind it that they're now looking into and studying and seeing how our brains work with them. But I bring it up <clears throat> because Abraham, we've seen Abraham throughout this entire story be tested quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And we've seen him fail. We've seen him succeed. I think last week in Genesis chapter one, we saw his faith succeed. That was a test. God said, hey, I've got Ishmael. And he had to say, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to trust this and I'm just going to give him nothing. Despite my great love, I'm going to give him nothing and set him out and trust that God's got this. Um, We've seen him fail. We've seen him fail with his wife, Sarah, Mm -hmm. uh, multiple times. We've seen him lie. Um, We've seen him struggle. And so chapter 22 is in like, again, my opinion, one of the, one of the pinnacles for Abraham and his faith, his, his faith in God. So I think it's a pinnacle for us too to watch a guy like this, who's, who's, who's really not. And, you know, and I don't know that we were ever tied this together, but this is a flawed individual. Oh, yeah. He's not a perfect man. He, God credits to him righteousness because what he does. But he's learning. Many of you guys, many of us, we, we're in the process of learning how to be faithful to God. What that means. How to be, how to be obedient in spite of the negative thoughts that we have. You know, this isn't possible, but I'm going to do it anyway because he said to do it. Okay, I'm going to do it. You know, and maybe Abraham's got a a little bit of advantage because he's seen some of the things that we have not seen. And we're told in the the New Testament that, you know, he tells, he said, uh, you know, blessed are those who believe without seeing. You know, we, we believe without seeing. And I don't know that our faith's any better. But it is it is more difficult not to have seen anything, uh, and he's he is uh, he is going to be promised this son, and then God's going to make get put a test on him, and he is going to pass with flying colors, and to see him who is a flawed individual to step up finally and say, you know what, you know, I'm going to do the right thing. We have that opportunity too. Every one of us has that opportunity too. When God, when, because it says, it says in, in James, it says, consider it pure joy when, when you face trials and tribulations of various kinds, you know, because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Well, where's the trials and tribulations coming from? Satan's not testing my faith. You know, God is. And so he's doing to us exactly what he's doing here. Maybe not on this grand of a scale, but he's putting things in our path. Just like, just like we do. You know, I mean, I watched you with your son this morning. And, and you give him just enough rope, you know, because I know, because you know, there are people behind you that got your back. When you had his, your back turned to him, I didn't. <laughs> and I said, Scott, knock it off. And then you turn, you know, but, but it's a, but you gave him enough of that rope for him to, to grow and to learn. What did he learn this morning? He learned, I got to be careful around a whole bunch of people now. I can't just kind of sneak one past my dad. <laughs> There's other people I got to be, be mindful of. But we start learning young, and I think we're learning, you know, here that that Abraham is a, is a, is flawed like I am, and uh, sometimes he's going to win, and sometimes he's not, and that's what uh, you know what I've loved about Bobby was that that uh, even though he knew he was flawed, he never gave up, he always kept going forward. He knew what the end result was going to be. He knew what the prize was, and he was going to go forward even though he messed up from time to time and, and, and made, some, made some calls that he probably shouldn't have in his life. And, and I know that because I've talked to him, and, and I talked to him at length about, about some of those things and, you know, that, that he struggled with. So, but he was still a very faithful, very godly man, and, uh, and we've lost a true warrior, man, a true, a true pillar of the faith. And, and he, you know, he reminds me of this guy. You know. Well, let's get into it. Let's look at Genesis uh, 22. Now, this is a pretty contentious chapter 
for a lot of people because of what God asks. And I've, I've seen this kind of used against Christians. I've seen this used against people. Um, and so how let's, do you, let's how get do you into mean? it. Well, let's, let's get into okay. it, and All then right. we'll, we'll talk about it. So in Genesis chapter 22, sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain. I will show I you. I want to stop here, okay? Uh, what I said about he has, he has up, an up on us, because right here, God's talking to him in plain English, all right? Yeah. He hears him. He says, Abraham, and he says, here I am. Yeah. Some of us will say, well, if God would talk to me, I'd be faithful too. You know, so I'm not saying that, that we're in a better place. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that there are, in all of our lives, there are things that happen in our lives that, that God helps us and God tests us. And so there's going to come a point where you're going to say, well, God's called me too. You know, he's called me through the gospel. I know that for a fact he did that. Mm-hmm. Well, he called Abraham with, ver- with a verbal command. Yes. Here I am. And, uh, and he said, and, I, and I, the second thing I wanted to say is, he said, take your son, your only son. This is not his only son. But God yeah. only recognizes this son because this is the son he had promised. The, the Ishmael is his son, but it's not the son that God had promised. Correct. I, I just thought that was kind of interesting yeah, for him to say that. It is. I, I, I didn't know if we were going to talk about that one or not. But take your son, your only son, and it's not. Ishmael is his mm-hmm. is his son as well, but God has already stated this son. And there is there is a little bit, looking at this, there, to me, there is a little bit of the narrative at work here. We are supposed to remember that. Well, wait a minute. He's not his only son. He's got Ishmael too, mm-hmm. who is his, who could be his son legally, but God has said that is not the son of promise. That is not the son. And so you're, you're and, right. And to that's, that and that's yeah. important for us mm-hmm. because there is a son of promise. Okay, the son of promise is who our Messiah is going to come from. Our Messiah will not come from the other son. Now, he's legitimate. He is a son, but not through Sarah. And that was where the promise came from. There are a whole nation of people out there that recognize Ishmael as Abraham's true son. And they trace their seed line through Ishmael. Well, you know, this is this here is a, is God saying, no, I only recognize this son. This is the real son. Because it's the one I promised. Absolutely. All right. So when we're looking at this, you asked me earlier, what, how do I say that this is used against people? Okay. I have heard consistently people be asked when we talk, start talking about our faith and a faith like Abraham and everything like that. Anyone who is just a little bit biblically literate usually is aware of this story. And they say, well, you know, if God asked you to sacrifice your son, would you? You know, trying to test our faith in a way. Um, I want to point out something. If you hear a voice in your head, you go to bed at night, you're saying your prayers, and you hear a voice in your night telling you to sacrifice your son, go see a doctor. Yeah. Okay? I was thinking the exact same thing. Go see a doctor. Go see a doctor. Talk to some godly counsel. Okay? Yeah. Make some calls. Call, call your pastor. Call your preacher. Call somebody. Do not go to the room and sacrifice your son. Okay? No. No. Abraham was promised certain things. And this yes. is this is it's this is just as okay, this is it's just as dumb when somebody says, Oh, well, you have faith in God? Well walk out there across that street. Go walk across Interstate 35 right outside San Antonio at rush hour, mm-hmm. blindfolded. Show prove your faith in God. Okay? Whoa. Yeah. God did not promise you that you could walk across I thirty five blindfolded and not get a scratch. God no. did not promise you that. No. So don't do that. In fact, he tells us, do not test him that way. Well, and He that's, told Israel, do not test me. Do not put me to the test like that. And that's what I was actually pulling up. So in Deuteronomy chapter 16, mm-hmm. uh, uh, verse, I believe it's uh, 16, but we're going to start in 13. Fear the Lord your God and serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God and his anger will burn against you and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Those are good reasons not to do those things, yeah. by the way. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Yeah. And that's exactly what people that would say that, that's exactly what they're telling you to do. So I want to point something out here. This word in the Hebrew, sometime later, God tested Abraham. In the Hebrew, this word test has a couple of different meanings, right? It occurs about 36 times in the Old Testament. 
Of the 36 times, the majority of it appears in this exact connotation, which means God testing. And when it's used in that fashion, it literally means to see what's there. You know, that's why God is doing this. He wants to see what your faith is. He wants to see what your response is. He wants to see Doesn't where you're at. Doesn't he already know? I'm sorry? Doesn't he already know? Or did Abraham need it to know? And that's a very good point. Does God know? God already knows what, what Abraham's faith is. God already knows what Abraham's going to do. Abraham needs to know what Abraham's going to do, I think. I believe God already knew what Abraham was going to do. God knows everything, you know, but he does test us. And that, that we could get into a whole debate, not a debate, but a discussion about then why is God testing us? If he already knows us, why is he testing us? What is he doing? And that, and see, and that is a good, and it's a good question because there's so much tension there. And we've already experienced some of that tension. Look at Cain, mm -hmm. you know, this, this argument, you know, think about it. Doesn't God already know what Cain's going to do? And yet he gives Cain a choice. Yeah. He gives Cain the choice. Mm -hmm. He says, Cain, you know, look, sin is crouching out his door. It's up to you to master it. Now, we know that doesn't mean Cain's got to find his own salvation. Obviously, God is standing right there. But what it does mean is, Cain, you have a choice here. You have a choice to come with me or you have a choice to go with sin. You have that choice. And we know what Cain chose. He picked up a rock, rock and killed his brother. And God knew he was going to do that as well. Mm -hmm. We'll see the same type of tension with Pharaoh, you know. God knows what Pharaoh's going to do, but he's still going to give him an opportunity to do it. And when he does it, he, then he hardens his heart. And after after multiple after, attempts, he, he, hardens has, his heart. he does harden his heart. And so but, we know God is going to be glorified no matter I'm what. I'm use, use a, a more of a, a... When Rudy gave us tests, okay, Rudy didn't need to know what Lee and I knew. He already knew that. He knew. Maybe not in the in the, in the the confines of, of the the. The stuff we were studying, but he knew where we were spiritually. He knew where we, where our hearts were. He knew how passionate we were. He knew that. We had to have the test so that we knew where we were. Hmm. Rudy, Rudy would, of course, this was sunset, but Rudy knew because Rudy was, was doing the pre-grading. He was grading them. He knew what was going to happen. He knew where, how we were going to pass, and he would give them back to us if there was a problem. He never had to do that. But he said, I'm going to make sure to help you because I want you to be successful. Right. And so, but he already knew. So God already knows what Abraham's going to do. But Abraham needs to experience that, I believe. Now, if I'm wrong, guys, if you think I'm wrong and you got book, chapter, and verse, please tell me. I'd like to know. Well, we know God, and that's and so the majority of this word testing mm -hmm. occurs when God tests something, mm -hmm. right? And we see it all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, that passage in Deuteronomy I read, 16 and 16, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Massah. Massah, that test is different. That test means to frustrate, mm -hmm. to... Um, stab in you know it means it means to be a thorn in someone's that's side that's exactly what somebody's doing when they say blindfold yourself and drive, walk across i-35 you know in in san antonio middle of rush hour well and i'd like to point out that god's goal for us in these tests is to come out just like with what you're talking about with rudy is to come out ahead it is to come grow. out as it yeah. says it is to grow that's i mean the scriptures make that very clear that is why he tests us well that's what he says in james one right the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And so this is God's goal within testing. But there's another power at work. Yeah. And that power is the evil, right? Yeah. Is Satan, is the evil one who wants us to fit. Not only does he want us to fail, but he wants to lead us to our destruction. Mm -hmm. And so testing, really, it really well, depends. In, in that, I think in that vein, you know, he's going to look to tempt us. In the, in the midst of a test, he may tempt us to make a wrong choice, a choice we really know, you know, that we should make. And, uh, and But if I know my material well enough, like I did for those tests and Lee did for those tests, Lee's got all of his old stuff. He's got all of it. He's told me he does. I've got mine somewhere. I have to find it, but I've got some of that stuff. And uh, I think I've got the, the study on, on Ephesians, Colossians. I think I still got that stuff. And, and I've got all the tests. Okay, so, you know, he couldn't tempt me with making a wrong answer because I knew that material. Yes. If, you know, Abraham, it's going to tell us, and we'll go over there in a, in a bit, in Hebrews chapter 11, Abraham knew that the father could raise this boy from the dead. So he killed him. Not literally, but in here he killed him because he knew 
This test was, Abraham was going to find out who he was, but he already knew what God was. He already knew. I wonder oftentimes if he hadn't, if he hadn't succeeded with Ishmael, would God have done this? I don't know. Because that's, that was another test. Mm-hmm. The scriptures don't say that explicitly. We're reading, I'm reading between the lines. So, sure. you know, don't, no, nobody get upset with me here. Uh, but if I'm looking at that event with Ishmael, that is a test of Abraham's faith. Sure. You know, I mean, he loves the boy. He dearly loves the boy. It's why he was so distressed. And God says, hey, I got That's this. That's his son. I got this. Yeah. So we look at Abraham and God says, hey, you need to go do this. And the question is, are you going to do it? Now, again, we haven't been given that promise. We haven't been given. I, I, God has not promised me that there's going to be a great nation that comes through my son, Scott. Mm-hmm. So let's let's when we're when we're looking at this and we're start comparing our faith to Abraham, let's make sure we're comparing apples to apples, and, oranges. And, and oranges. remember something, too. This has been a promise for a decade. Yes. This didn't just happen. Well, more than a decade. More than a decade. But more I mean, a, a promise of this son, mm-hmm. of a literal son. Oh, yes, yes. Has been for a decade since he was 90. That's right. Yeah. Uh, now, he's been promised it through his seed, but through this literal son. That this is going to be the son. This is going to be the son. Yes. That's been a decade. You know, yeah. remember, we, what did we figure out? That, that Ishmael was about 13 or 14 yes. when, when, uh, when the boy was weaned. So, I mean, so he before Ishmael, I mean, you know, even after Ishmael, he's been promised this son is coming. So, you know, it's not, this is not new for him. He knows it's coming. He's gotten ready. But it's still, you know, I, I can't even imagine because we know how deeply he loved Ishmael. Well, how deeply does he love Isaac? Does he love him more? I don't know. It doesn't tell us that. But, but for God to ask him, not ask him, command him to do what he's what he's commanding him to do, uh, that's got a that's got a way. He's a father. Well, it it look. I certainly don't want to make this sound like it's uh you know it's like uh, jumping jumping in the car and going to the corner store. No, it's this not. This is a huge deal. It's a huge deal. This the, he's been waiting for this son. He's been promised this son. You know he let he sent his other son into the desert. You know, we don't know if he's aware that that son even made it. You know what I'm saying? And think about it. It says, take your son, your only son. Mm -hmm. So what's got to be going on in Abraham's mind to his, well, wait a minute, he's not my only son. You know, I mean, and again, we're we're kind of reading in between the lines here. But what if Abraham at this point isn't aware of what's happened with Ishmael, has no idea. And now God is saying, take your son, your only son. I mean, this is a heavy test for Abraham. Mm -hmm. This This is a... This is the epitome of a test for Abraham. Mm-hmm. So early, early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. That's, that's interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So we're going to go worship, and then we're going to be, be right back. Um, so I, I think that verifies what we read in Hebrews. You mm-hmm. know, it's just that simple. It, it, Abraham well, really I'm gonna, did. I'll, I'm going to read it. Sure, go right, for it. Gonna, it's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So when he says, we'll come back, he has, he when he goes, he believes so strong that God is going to do this and God's going to do it through this son that he believes that when he sticks the knife in that boy, that immediately after that, or at some point right after that, God is going to bring this boy back to life. That's what he believes. That, that's what it says. Yeah. That's what he believes. Well, and I, that's why he says, we will come back to you. You know, another interesting aspect of this is the, uh, it took him three days to get there. Mm-hmm. For three days, Isaac was dead. In his mind. In Abraham's mind. In Abraham's mind, it was. That's interesting. How many days was Christ? Jesus. Yeah. Three days in the grave. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it's, you know, the, the, some of the similarities sometimes when you really study this stuff and you go go verse by verse, this, the, they're well, uncanny. The, 
Let's be very frank. Isaac is a type of Christ. Yes, he is. Just like Adam is a type of Christ. There are these types. Again, Mm -hmm. especially in in the Hebrew culture and in the narrative, you see these repetitions, these foreshadowings of these other events. Mm -hmm. And that's absolutely what this is. Mm -hmm. This is forecasting what we'll see with Christ. Jonah, right? Christ himself even says the only sign this sinful generation will receive is a sign of Jonah, Mm -hmm. right? Well, Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, Yeah. right? Three days in the grave. That's exactly what Jesus is talking about. And so these, these things do happen again and again and again in the text. These are, these are intentional repetitive elements foreshadowing things that are to come later on in the text. Mm -hmm. And so Isaac for Abraham was three days in the grave. And that if you, if you're thinking, oh my gosh, that, that kind of connects to Christ. My personal opinion is that's the intent. That yeah. is the point. Mm-hmm. This is a single narrative written by many different authors and, and, leading us to Christ. And you think about it as a father, okay, as a father, how uh, in, on one, and I understand that he that he knows that God, he, he, he reasoned in his mind, God can raise him from the dead, God's going to raise him from the mm-hmm. dead. But the, the, the knowledge of the act of what he's fixing to do, he's fixing to penetrate that boy's chest with a knife. That's right. Into his heart. He knows what that looks like. He knows what the response is going to be from that boy because he's seen it time and time. You ever you ever uh you ever killed an, an animal with a knife? No. You know? No. I don't think so. No. I have not. I've seen it done. All right? I've seen I've seen a sheep killed with a knife. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. It is gruesome. Okay. I mean, yeah. it, it, I, I won't even explain it because it, it's, you know, and you know, the, the response is, is, uh, I've seen it done once and, uh, and I never forgot it. You know, I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, when, when, uh, when you, I, I can't tell you no more. That's I'm, fine. I'm just, I'm That's just saying, fine. you know, this man has killed enough. Yeah. To know what it's going to be like and what it's going to look like, and that's going to be his son laying on that. On that, he's going to butcher his son. That's exactly that's, what that's, he's going to do. That's what was involved with these. And offerings. that's exactly what God does to Jesus. God knows the Father knows what it's going to look like. He he has he has been been a part of enough of that. He's seen enough of that. I mean, he's killed a lot of people. He's been, a lot of people have gone to their death, you know, at at God's hand, ordering it done. And uh, and here, he ta- he puts his son on a cross, and allows him to be butchered on a cross. They don't kill him; they butcher him. That's what they do. Yeah. And then puts him in a- because God the Father knows that that is a part of the process to get to the third day. This is part of the process to get to the point where Isaac is going to be resurrected for Abraham. It's still, I mean. You know, as lay people, I'm looking at him going, whew. You know, I mean, I, I, I know what that what that's going to be like. And uh, and I, I don't know, man, I, I mean, I, I, I elevate him because he knows what he's fixing to do to that boy. Well, let's continue. So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Oh, stop right here. You know, look at what Isaac says. Uh, He says, the fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? This is probably a 12-year-old. Probably somewhere, somewhere in there. there. Somewhere in there. How does he know about burnt offerings? And because his father and his mother have taught him. That's right. They have taught him about their God. Guys, let me tell you something. Mm. Okay. Your children are going to follow somebody. That's just the way our makeup is. And they will more than likely follow the wrong somebody unless you teach them who to follow right. So if you're watching tonight, and you've got children, think about what you're telling them and what you're not telling them. When you don't pray with them, when you don't pray at meals, when you don't pray before bed with them, when they don't know. I watched your son yesterday, okay? 
I was sitting behind them because we have a whole row of, of, of these little crumb snatchers in front of us. You know, I got an adult on one, an adult on the other, and I'm sitting on a on a I, on a row that's been roped off. I'm taking the rope down. I'm the only one there, and I got this little red little spoon about that big, and I, and I said, you see this? I will thump you with it. You know, and I, and when, when the prayer was going on, I watched your son, and your son was like this. He was like that. Now, I had to remind him one time. Yeah. <laughs> I had to remind him one time, but not, but, you know, all the other kids, even my great, they weren't doing that, but th- but he was. You know what I know? Mm. That you're, you're teaching him how to do those kinds of things. And that's what's happening here with Abraham and Isaac. Isaac knows about God. He knows about the sacrifice. He knows the, the what it's for because he asks. Yeah. That's telling to me about oh, yeah. what Abraham, what kind of heart Abraham has. Go ahead. So when they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of a son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. That's Yahweh Jireh, mm-hmm. which is something we... Uh, yeah, we, we studied that, didn't we? Yeah. Yep. Uh, we did a whole class on that name. And to this day, it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your offspring, <coughs> all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants, and they set off together for Beersheba. And Abraham stayed in Beersheba. Ah, apparently got my allergies working up on me. All right. Well, I tell you, it, oh. it, this is a this is a powerful, powerful story. You know, to uh, I mean, because you know, I mean, I I, I close my eyes and I envision this. You know, and I and I and I see this knife, and and I've got hunting knives, and and I know. What kind of knife? Mine are not. Mine are not these kinds of knives. And uh, and I can see him like this, and I can see him because to get that knife through that kid's chest, you know, you could probably speak to it better than I can. He's got to hit that chest just right to sink that knife in, or he's got to plant it just right between. That's an art to to doing something like this. You know, I mean when. When, and what little I know of, of training of soldiers, they train you to, to come up, you know, the, to, to, well, he's going he's gonna to stab this kid in the chest through his, in his heart. That's a lot of bone in there. You, can you see him? And I don't know if that's what it was like, but that's what I envision. Yeah. That's how I see it. And he goes, and he's just, and he's got his teeth gritted because he knows, please, son, forgive me for what I'm about to do in his mind. And, and the angel stops him. You got, we're good, man. Mm. Don't go any farther. Can you imagine the relief in him? You know, he's he's expecting a resurrection from the dead. Yeah, he's not expecting him to stop him beforehand. But that's what happens. You know, guys, God will test us. He will. And 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 we have faith in Him. We're going to win. Well, let's We're, get get real specific, though. Okay. What do we have to have faith in? I have to have faith that God is going to keep his promise to me. That's it right there. Mm-hmm. Guys, if you don't know the promises of God, you're going to fail this test Yeah. every time. Yeah. You're either going to fail this test or when the enemy tries to use God's test to make you fail, to snare you, to trap you like he, he did will. Adam and Eve, he like he did Cain, like he did the Israelites who wandered in the desert, like he tried to do to Jesus. If you don't know what the like, promises of God like are. Like he's done to you and I numerous times. Numerous times. We are going to fail these tests. Mm-hmm. The enemy will use them, tie us up in a neat little bow, and lead us off to destruction. And he'll do it every time if you don't know what God has promised you. And it's real easy, okay? 
you you know where his promises are recorded? In the book. In, in the, book. the book. That's why we're doing what we're doing. In, in the book. The book. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. In Matthew chapter 7, Christ tells us not to worry about the things of this world, right? He goes, your father knows you need these things. If you pursue my righteousness, mm-hmm. these things being food and clothing will be added unto you. Mm-hmm. Why do you work, church? Why do you go to work if God has promised to provide food and clothing? Because he also says a man who won't provide for his family is no better than a fool. He does say that. He does. And Paul says if you don't work, you don't eat. Yeah. But let's be very clear. If you are pursuing righteousness, God said he's going to make sure you have these things. Yes. So why do you work, church? Think about it for a second. I'm not going to give you the answer, okay? I'm going to challenge you a little bit. Start to ask yourself, why am I working? God said he's going to provide this for me. So why, why do I actually go to work? What am I actually supposed to do with these things that God has blessed me with? Mm-hmm. Let that really ferment a little bit in your head. Let that just dwell and mulch, mulch on that a little bit. Chew on it. And we'll, we'll get there eventually. We'll talk about it. But how about another promise? And this is one of my favorites. You are forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I've talked and to not, people. And not only when we get to, well, go ahead and finish now. And I got a thought. You know, I've, I've, I've talked to so many people that, you know, act and walk around and live in the church as if they're saved by the skin of their teeth. <laughs> like God's grace and mercy is something, is something that like is this thin veil that barely covers my shame. And that's not what he said. No. He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you will receive forgiveness of your sins. That's right. That's what he said. He said, you will be forgiven. And we know in 1 John, he says very clearly, as we walk in the light, as he is in the light, the blood of Christ continually cleanses us from our sins. And guess what? If walking in the light was perfection, I'd have no need of cleansing of sins. That's exactly right. It's not. The righteous man will live by faith. Stand on these promises of God, church. You do not do God any favors. If you act and sit there and go, oh man, my... I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't. I don't know if I have this or not. You're not doing God. You need any to favors. go find out what the promise is because if you've been watching my my Sunday morning class, we're going to get to we got just got to chapter five and he and he's going to say in chapter five, I write these things to you that you might know that you have eternal life. Not you have to guess. Not you have to f- sit like this and be be afraid. I can know I have eternal life. We can be very confident in our very salvation. Confident. Very confident. And and he tells us he tells us the book of Hebrews he said to approach the throne with boldness with confidence. Not because I belong there, because I have a right to be there because of the blood of Jesus. I have every right to be there. So, you know, what I was going to say a while ago is that that promise of forgiveness, it also comes with a with an addendum to it. With a, a part A, part B, I will forgive you and I will remember your sins no more. Hmm. Is what is what the promise, the covenant is going to be through, that's going to come through this kid and through this man way down the line. He's going to make a promise, a covenant with them and said, there's going to come a time when I not only will forgive, but I will forget them as well. That means God doesn't keep, God doesn't, he, he's forgotten my stuff. That's amazing to me. There, what a promise. There are so many promises. You know, Romans chapter, just get Romans 8. Oh, yeah. You know, start in verse 1, read down. No condemnation. Hit Ephesians chapter 1 and read. Ephesians yeah. 1 and Ephesians 2. The before and after, mm-hmm. or the after and the before. He starts with who we are in the vision, in the eyes of God, in the mindset of God, who we are as his church, and then boom. But you used to be like this. I know. And we can go down that line and find where we used to be like that, and now we're not because of Christ's blood, because of his work. So church, I really want to encourage you. Abraham here succeeds. He passes this test, yes. and we've watched him fail over and over and over again. But he passes this test, and he passes this test because he believed the promises of God. It's just that simple. And, and, and what and what we studied about Sunday morning, you know, when when you say you believe, you have to be obedient. If he if course. he if he said he believed in God and he doesn't do what he does, yeah, then he doesn't believe. He doesn't believe. Doesn't Church, believe. you can't say I believe in God and then not do what he says. No, it doesn't work that way. That's that's what the world says you can do. Yes, the world says that. That's not what God says. Yes. God says if you say you believe, and you believe in Jesus then you're going to do what Jesus told you to do. You're going to live the life, walk the walk. That's right. And that's you what, have to you actually have to follow. Yes. You have to run the race. Paul said, "Run the race." Yes. So believe yes. it or not, yes. you got to run the race. Yes. Um this is an awesome and this is really the culmination of Abraham's tale. Now this isn't the end. Abraham is still no. a character no. here. No. There's still going to be a little bit more, but as far as Abraham is concerned, this really is the high point and end of his character arc. 
Uh, it's not going to be too much, too many more chapters uh, before he passes, before he, he goes on. Mm-hmm. And, and then uh, we're going to see it it rise up with Isaac. And then, yep. And then we're going to see it rise up with Jacob. Correct. And and we're going to see this seed line continue on through more flawed individuals, you know, more, more you know, chaos, darkness and chaos in these people's lives. That's right. It will. And it's going to, it's going to reaffirm to us. Man, thank God that 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 he that he still loves these kind because of, if he can love them, he can love me. It's almost like God has great patience with us, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to it's repentance. It's pretty obvious to me that God had a plan, and and His plan was to bring His creation to Him. That's right, and and that's what He's in the process of doing. And I just happen to be, you just happen to be, many of us just happen to be a part of that creation. That create that we've been created through the blood of His Son, the the kingdom, You're about the, the new church, creation, the new yeah. creation, yeah, and that's His plan. That was always His plan. Yes, and He says in his, in that same letter, Hebrews, at the very end of it, He said, "Only together with us could they be made perfect. We have to exist through the blood of Christ for them to be made perfect, and so God can umbrella them and cover them too as well. It's amazing. It's amazing." It's an awesome thing to get to see the mind of God at work. It's an awesome thing to learn this stuff and, and, and to really dig into it and learn it and see just what you can see between the lines that, like we did tonight. You know, this flawed individual, Isaac's going to be a flawed individual. Jacob's going to be an extremely flawed individual. And, uh, and, and God's going to love them all and bless them all and encourage them all and, and grow people through them. And we event, eventually, we will stand because of them. Amazing. Awesome. Awesome. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, uh, for bringing us through this text. Thank you for Abraham and his, and his uh, love for you and his faith in you. Thank you for his sacrifice of his son in his own heart, in his own mind. Help us to realize how much we can learn from this man, how much we can learn from, from his failures and his successes. Father, we're going to have both in our lives. And to know that you still love us, even when we fail, you still love us as your children. Thank you, Father, for that. Help us. Help those who are watching to to long to understand and to know how they can become your child and your son and daughter. Father, help them. Give them insight and give them wisdom so that they can find it for themselves. And it's in the name of your Holy Son we pray. Amen. Amen.